30 been introduced, but just briefly, I've got some leaflets here. I know one or two of you asked me for leaflets because um, you want information on the JWs, Mormons, or other groups. Uh, take one of these. You can email me. I'll send you information on the various groups that you you want. So tonight I'm going to do something a little bit different because the last two years I've looked at Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons, uh, but tonight we're going to look at something altogether different. And I wonder, just by a quick show of hands, how many of you have heard the term, the New Apostolic Reformation? How many? So, more than I thought, actually. Yeah, more than I thought. Most of you are like, what on earth is that? Can't even say it, let alone. Um, so we're going to think tonight, what is the New Apostolic Reformation? And uh, as I unpack it over this next three or four hours, um, you will you'll be familiar with it. You'll be familiar, you might not be familiar with the term, but you'll be familiar with some of its teachings. And there's a reason why you maybe don't know it or you've not heard of it. And uh, here's some of the reasons why. Because the New Apostolic Reformation, or as I'll call it NAR from now on, make it easier. Uh, NAR is not a single organization. It's a movement of independent, like-minded churches and organizations and leaders. So um, it's not an organization you could go on the internet and just find a website that will tell you all about it. You can find websites telling you about it, but not from these guys themselves. A second thing is there's no list of churches or leaders or official beliefs. So we begin to think, well, what is this New Apostolic Reformation then? Uh, a final thing as well is what connects those associated with the movement is the belief that apostles... And prophets of the same type that we find in the Bible have been restored to the church. So these guys who are claiming to be apostles believe themselves to be the same type as the twelve. And that's massive implications right there for us. And these prophets as well believe they're the same type that we find in the Bible. And yet a lot of their prophecies don't come true. But that's okay apparently. Because, uh, you know, we, we are the same as the ones in the Bible, but you can't expect us to get it right every time, is some of the things they might say. But I want us to unpack this and, and look at this, because I think this is something that's amongst us, and we don't realize it. And uh, we need to be aware of it. And, and after tonight, hopefully, you'll just go away and check it out for yourself. might not agree with everything I say on it tonight, and that's okay. Any issues, have a chat with Roger afterwards, and he'll, he'll sort you out. So what is the New Apostolic Reformation? Well, the, the term was coined by this guy. This guy is called C. Peter Wagner. I don't know if you've heard of him. Charles Peter Wagner. He passed away back in 2016. He was a, a missionary for a number of years, quite well-respected missionary. He was a professor at Fuller Theological Seminary uh, on church growth. Um, he was well-known for writing books and doing talks about spiritual warfare and um, one of the last things he did before he passed away, he was the president of something called the Global Harvest. So that's just a little bit of information. And he's seen as the father of the New Apostolic Reformation. He coined this term. And what he said, what he began to say, uh, it was then in the 80s and the 90s, and then into the early 2000s, he began to say there's, there's a third wave or a third move of the Holy Spirit. So let us just think what he meant by that. So the, the third wave movements. So what Peter Wagner said was this, that the first wave uh, came in Azusa Street in 1906. Uh, the second wave, he claimed, came through the charismatic movement in the 1960s. 
And that spawned other things. So we find things like the Signs and Wonders movements, John Wimber and Vineyard, uh, prominent then. C. Peter Wagner was part of the scene then. A guy called Mike Bickle, we'll mention him later on this evening. He was one of the Kansas City prophets. He's still very prominent in the New Apostolic Reformation today. And what came out of this really, and we're not going to think too much about the Word of Faith movement tonight, but that sort of down one side of it, and I want to suggest down the other side is this new apostolic reformation. So what C. Peter Wagner said is that we are entering a second apostolic age. And he said this, he explained that the third wave is this, a gradual opening of straight line evangelical churches to the supernatural ministry of the Holy Spirit without the participants becoming either Pentecostals or Charismatics. Now think about what he's saying here. He's saying this stuff is going to infiltrate all these other churches, but you're not going to identify yourself as a Pentecostal or a Charismatic. And and I want to contend tonight as I share this stuff with you, that this stuff is entering Protestant mainline mainstream churches. And we don't even realise it. Um, So he he was right about that. I also, before I just move on, I think it's important for me to say that this is something I'm talking about tonight, something different to Pentecostalism and even the charismatic movement is something other than that. So this is not like a dig at Pentecostalism or, or the charismatic thing. This is something else, as hopefully we'll see tonight. So C. Peter Wagner, let's have a look. Did I say that? I did. We're in the second apostolic age. Oh, yeah. We are in the second apostolic age, and the government of the church must be in place with the apostles and prophets, which brings us to what he called the dominion mandate. So we're in the second apostolic age and the government of the church must be in place with the apostles and prophets, which brings us to the the dominion mandate. So what these apostles and prophets uh, believe, what these apostles believe is that they are the true governors of the church today. And churches should come under their apostleship. And we found that in America particularly, but other places in the world, lots of churches are giving over their authority and coming under one of these apostles. So probably one of the most prominent ones is a guy called Che Ann, and he is sort of Harvest Ministries, Harvest Rock Ministries in America. And tons of churches have just come under his apostleship. So he leads that church. He has a prophet alongside him as well. And they believe that's how the church should go in these days. So what is the dominion mandate that they talk about? Well, God gave Adam dominion over the earth, but he lost it to Satan. And it's our job to take it back. That's what they say, dominionism. And when we've done this, that's when Jesus will return. So that's what they they believe and teach. So how does the church regain dominion according to the New Apostolic Reformation? Well, firstly... The church must yield to modern day apostles and prophets to whom God has given new strategies to advance the kingdom. So some of these guys were here today, uh, these few days that we're here together, they will see the things that we're talking about as old hats. They will see it as no value whatsoever. That's the old way of doing things. What are you doing listening to about Benjamin Ingham? What are you doing talking about door-to-door work? What are you talking about open-air preaching? That's old hat. You know, God has brought through apostles and prophets, which he's brought back into the church today, new strategies to advance his kingdom. And we're going to look at what some of those might be. 
So how does the church regain dominion? There's two key strategies according to the uh, NAR movement. First of all, there's something called the Seven Mountain Mandate. And we'll talk about that in a moment. And the second is spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare. So what is the Seven Mountain Mandate? Well, here's an image of it, really. And what they claim is that Christians need to reach the top of these seven mountains. We had um, a guy come in our church. Well, I think we had um, we have a prayer breakfast thing in Bradford. And a, a few years ago, we had a gathering of, of, of these churches in, in our church for an evening. And the guy that spoke, spoke about, he never mentioned the term um, seven mountain mandate or dominionism, but everything he was saying fit in with this. And he was asking um, afterwards, he said, before you leave tonight, I'm going to put a sheet out, put your names on it. Uh, anybody that's, um, you know, working in any of these areas. So in business, in government, in family, in religion, in media, in education and in entertainment. So the idea is that Christians get involved in these things or if they are involved in these, they try and reach the top of their profession in these things so they can influence everything down below That's the seven mountain mandates and will achieve dominionism. We will regain dominionism, they say. So what is now spiritual warfare? Well, we're all familiar with with spiritual warfare. It's a biblical term and uh, we know we're involved in, in a spiritual war with our enemy. But these guys sort of look at it in a certain way. And a lot of this came from C. Peter Wagner. So he talks about something called spiritual mapping. I don't know if you've heard that term before, but the idea is that um, the reason we're not seeing success in our evangelism is that there is a demonic force above the areas in which we're trying to reach people. And we need to look at the geographical area in which we're working and identify this demonic force. It's called spiritual mapping. That's what's stopping the flow of the gospel. Once you've identified the demonic force at work, You have something called strategic level spiritual warfare. This is where you're going to battle against this demonic force. And you take it on. And they'll often give names to the demons over areas. So like, you know, over Bradford, there'll be a a, a sort of demon controlling things there. Over Leeds, um, over London. You've got to identify what these are and take them on. And you have strategic level spiritual warfare. And then you enter. Once you've discovered the name of this demon, what's causing these problems, you go into warfare prayer against these demonic forces. So that's, that's what they believe. And of course, once you've broken the, dynamic, the, the demonic force, um, then we can preach the gospel and, and see fruit from that. And again, keep uh, pushing forward the mandate to take dominion. So that's what they teach and believe. And they're really into that kind of stuff. The gospel, according to Nah, well, this is a phrase that you'll often see used. It's on earth as it is in heaven. So the idea for, for, for the Nah movement is not that we should preach the gospel and see people set free from their sin and saved, born again, so that one day they'll be in heaven. No, again, that's a little bit old hat. No, we, we want to see heaven come to earth. We want to see God moving in power on the earth. And so, as we'll go on and see tonight, there's all kinds of weird and wonderful things happen um, amongst these guys. Uh, signs and wonders galore. 
everywhere. You know, it's, when you listen to some of these people, um, you do feel a bit of a failure. You know, because they're having conversions right, left and centre, apparently. You know, so we're doing something wrong, clearly. But signs and wonders are the way forward. And they put a real emphasis on signs and wonders as a way of what they would say, preaching the gospel. But in reality, when you see these guys involved in signs and wonders, there's very little gospel or none at all. And what we would call the gospel, a call to repentance and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. So signs and wonders. We need to be mindful, didn't we, that you know, Jesus warns us in Matthew 7, you know, that not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. And they'll say things like, well, do we prophesy in your name? Do we cast out demons in your name? And he said, get away from me, I never knew you. So signs and wonders, it's not all, all that these guys make it out to be, I think. And of course, within that, there's a, a dose of health and wealth. Many of these guys will say that as Christians, we should never be sick. and We should always be well. And of course, God wants to prosper us and bless us. And um, that's just part of the deal of being children of God for these guys. In terms of uh, evangelism, NAR style, if you go on the internet and, and watch some of these guys on YouTube and stuff, uh, they're very much into street healing. And uh, one of the things that you see more than anything else in these street healing videos, I, I find anyway, is the um, one, per, one leg shorter than the other. There's always one leg shorter than the other. Whatever the problem is, well, it's because you've got one leg shorter than the other. Just, just let me see. Just sit down. Let's put your legs out. And, and then, of course, um, there's the leg lengthening. Yeah, Roger, you need it sorting, mate. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've got two legs shorter than everybody else's. That's like, but that's another thing. <laughs> I so know I shouldn't have said that. He's so going to get me back. Um, yeah. Roger. Roger, you know they say, God is good, God is fair, so some gave height to others who gave hair. So there you go. Right, so anyway, moving on quickly. Street healing. So they're, they're into street healing, and most of the stuff you will see, and it's not, it's not because I'm anti, please hear me tonight, it's not because I'm anti-charismatic, anti-gifts and signs, I'm not. But most of the thing you see, you're not convinced by you know, there's, there's nothing of the quality of, of healings and miracles that you see in Scripture. It's never that. It's always got a problem with your back. It's always one leg shorter than the other. It's always something that you can't really verify and, and put your hand on with these guys. Another um, thing that they do, evangelism NAR style, is what they call treasure hunting. And what they will do is they will be trained um, in their school of supernatural ministry, which we will talk about in a moment, They'll be trained how to have the Holy Spirit uh, give them clues to, to meeting people. So, for example, there's an expectation the Holy Spirit will tell you when you go out into the town centre today, you're going to meet a guy who's six foot three, he's wearing a, hat, a baseball cap, and he's, they, they, get, they look for these things. It's called treasure hunting. So the Holy Spirit gives them clues, and then they go and try and find these people. It's a bit like, you know, if you, you know, hopefully you don't read horoscopes, but, you know, people read their horoscope, this is what's going to happen today, and then they go out and look for that, don't they? You're going to meet a tall stranger, you know, wearing a Mac or whatever, and you look for that person then. It's a little bit like that. But it's all about the Holy Spirit moving in power and signs and wonders, and we need the Holy Spirit to work. We do in our evangelism. We need to see God, God's power at work in us 
in, in our words and working through his word. Um, but again, these guys, a little bit of something else. Let's just do a little quiz. I'm going to show you some pictures, see how many of these people you know. So here's the first one. Anybody know who that is? Bill Johnson, yeah? Cindy Jacobs. Patricia King. Todd White. Heidi Baker. He's the prophet to Bill Johnson's apostle. He's called Chris Vallotton. Guy called Sean Boltz. Mike Bickle. Yeah, John Arnott of Toronto. Blessing. It's Rick Joyner, yeah, of, of Morning Stars. All, all these guys, and there's many more pictures I could have shown you, would, would come under the category of NAR, New Apostolic Reformation. Now, some of them would deny it. Some would say, well, I don't even understand that term. Uh, what are you talking about? But the thing that links all these guys together is that thing, their belief that today God has restored to the church apostles and prophets. What they believe is that there should have always been apostles and prophets to govern the church. But for whatever reason, we ended up without those, and we ended up with pastors and elders and deacons, uh, but there should have always been apostles and prophets. And so something was missing, and God's restored it, which is often what happens in cults, really. You know, there's the Mormons. Well, you know, you need the Book of Mormon, and you need our teaching, because the, the church went apostate very quickly. So Joseph Smith comes along. For the JWs, Charles Russell comes along to restore the biblical truth. It's always this kind of stuff. So there's some of the guys that's uh, involved in this. So I want us just to think a lot about Bill Johnson and Bethel Church in Redding, California tonight because he's, he's the main player, really, in, in all this. Um, so he brought a book out. Uh, he's done a few books, but this book called When Heaven Invades Earth, A Practical Guide to a Life of Miracles. And I just want to pick out a few things he says. So this is what he says about the Bible. He says, For those who feel safe because of their intellectual grasp of scriptures enjoy a false sense of security. None of us has a full grasp of scripture, but we all have the Holy Spirit. He is our common denominator who will always lead us into truth. But to follow him, we must be willing to follow off the map to go beyond what we know. So you can see what he's saying there, really. The problem with this idea of, you know, well, you know, the Bible's, that's great. It's God's word and everything. But actually, you know, we just need the Holy Spirit to guide us. You know, these, these guys who call themselves apostles and prophets don't all agree with each other, let alone people outside of the New Apostolic Reformation movement. But you need to go beyond what we know. You see, they have a problem with people who will quote scripture at them. They see that as, well, that's intellectualism. You know, we, we need to be led by the Holy Spirit. Don't think too much about these things. Allow God just to lead you. He says this as well. But in reality, the Bible is a closed book. Anything I get from the word without God will not change my life. It is closed to ensure that I remain dependent on the Holy Spirit. So what you, what you see in these guys is that there's a real emphasis on the Holy Spirit. 
an overemphasis on the Holy Spirit. You know, some people ignore the Holy Spirit, which they shouldn't do. These guys, it's all Holy Spirit. And being Holy Spirit led. And, uh, and again, it just becomes totally subjective. Holy Spirit told me this. Holy Spirit told me that. And they don't check it against the Word of God. The Spirit-inspired Word of God. What about Jesus for Bill Johnson? He said this of Jesus. He performed miracles, wonders and signs as a man in right relationship to God. Not as God. If he performed miracles because he was God, then they would not be attainable for us. Let me bring the next one in before I comment on that. He says this. He laid his divinity aside as he sought to fulfill the assignment given him by the Father. Now what what Bill Johnson believes and what he teaches is the idea that Jesus, he'll say that he believes that Jesus is is truly man and truly God. fully, Fully God, fully man. He'll say he believes that. But then what he teaches is, but when Jesus was on the earth, he was just, just operating as a man. Because what he's teaching and what they, they tend to teach is that if Jesus was operating as God in any way, then we can't achieve what Jesus did. But we're meant to achieve what Jesus did. So Jesus was just a man full of the Holy Spirit. And then he performed all his signs and wonders, everything he did. So we too are just human, just like Jesus was. So we need to be full of the Holy Spirit so we too can do all that Jesus did and more. So you see where he's going with that. That's that's what he he teaches. Now, I just want us to think for a moment about um, infiltration into the evangelical churches. Well, there there are a number of factors. Firstly, it's finding its way into the evangelical church through its music. Um, its music's found uh, enthusiastic reception in the churches, youth ministries, and among youth, uh, among young adults rather, throughout the evangelical spectrum. So it's music. We're singing their songs in our churches. Um, we'll think more about that in a moment. Uh, many have no understanding of the teachings of the NAR and no idea what it is. So most of you tonight have never heard of it. And, and, you know, why would you? You know, it's, it's, they're not promoting it as New Apostolic Reformation, as, as new stuff. It's just seeping in, in, in various ways. Influential NAR teachers and books are making inroads into evangelical circles. Often, at the top of the, the, the booksellers' charts, are books from these guys. Um, fortunately, ten of those don't stock any of them. So that's good news. Yeah. But, um, yeah, they're very, very influential. People chase after these books and these teachings. Here's another point that I think it's right for us to make. The rampant biblical illiteracy and general apathy towards scripture and theology causes fewer Christians to be alarmed or even aware of the false teaching and the deception taking place. Because if we, if we really don't know what we believe and why we believe it, and we're not in the word of God, then all these things can sound very right and very biblical. Uh, they, they use a lot of the same terms we use. They will have scriptures, scriptural support for some of the things that they're saying. And so it, it sounds good to me. And every time I meet anybody that's involved in this stuff, they're full of God and full of love and full of the Holy Spirit. They're wonderful people. You know, it's my uh, thinking on this that um, there, are, there are tons of believers caught up in this stuff. Tons of believers. And they just don't know it. They're genuine believers in the Lord Jesus. Genuinely seeking after him. But you see, look at the age we're living in as well. We're living in an age where people are searching for experiences. 
And for our young people growing up, again, biblically illiterate, uh, they're seeking after experience. It's more exciting over there. Look what's happening in Toronto. Look how many people ran out to Toronto when that was happening, jumping on planes to go and catch whatever it was. And all this stuff as well. And this is the stuff that's piped through God TV and through TBN. If it's not Word of Faith, it's New Apostolic Reformation stuff. So this stuff is getting pushed out throughout the world as well. People are watching this. And it all sounds very exciting. It's far more exciting, isn't it, to be in a meeting where potentially gold dust could fall from the ceiling. You might have an angelic visitation. That's far more exciting than listening to David Earnshaw talk about the Moravians. It's not David. It's not. But that's what they think. I wasn't saying what I thought. I was just saying what they think. That's far more exciting. So if, um, I'm going home as soon as I finish tonight. I'll leave these on the table if anybody wants them. Okay, um, not surprisingly then, those who attempt to warn about now and other false teachings are often vilified and said to have religious spirits. I come across that all the time. If you, if you challenge anybody, whether it be now, word of faith, whatever, well, the problem with you, Tony, is you've got a critical spirit. You've got a religious spirit. You know that you need to, you need to be set free from that religious spirit. And all you're doing is saying, well, this is what the Bible says, but that's a religious spirit for these guys. I remember one of the first times I came across anything like this. We had at our church, and a few years back, we had, I think it was a counselling course we ran just on a Saturday and uh, it was open to people from other churches to come along. And a lady came uh, from another church. She was sat in our group, so I got to know her a little bit during the day. And then uh, later on that weekend, she sent me a message on Facebook saying, really enjoyed it, thanks for letting me come along, great. And then she sent me a Facebook request, which I accepted. And then sometime after that, uh, a picture uh, came up on my newsfeed from her. And it was a picture of the inside of her church. And on the wall was money stuck to the wall. There was like notes and coins. And she said something like, you know, a God supernaturally um, sticking money to the wall as a sign that he's going to prosper us in this new year. Or something like that. So, you know, I was a bit naughty. I asked her if it was blue tack or glue. And, uh, and then she unfriended me for some reason. Um, I don't know why that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I, I, I don't think I did say that. But I, I, did, I, did ask, I did ask the question about it. But they don't want to be challenged on it. You know, what is that? What is that? How is that? How does money stick to the wall? I tried it for an hour afterwards in my house. It just wouldn't happen. <laughs> so anyway, um, here's a question then. Has your church been nard? I don't think that's a, a proper term. I made that up. So if you hear any of these words often in, in, your, in a church then I would suggest that, not that they might be fully nard or fully into all this stuff, but, yeah, bells ringing in our heads. So people are often talking about dominion, apostles, impartations, heaven on earth, activations, seers, mantles, atmospheres, alignment, anointing, Transformation, soaking, sphere of influence, and profits. These are all buzzwords within the New Apostolic Reformation. 
You know, sometimes I see people involved in this movement, they will post something on Twitter or Instagram. I don't even understand what they're talking about. I've been a Christian for a number of years, and I'm like, what does that even mean? I'm going to show you one of those in a moment. Music. This is a big issue for us. I've got sort of three lots of music on there. Could have put other ones on. There's Bethel music, which is very popular. People singing it in their churches. Hillsong. Uh, again, it's been around a long time. Write a lot of good songs, a lot of good music. Uh, Elevation Worship's more of a new kid on the block with a guy called Stephen Furtick. There's maybe more word of faith than now, but there's a crossover between these things. And what's happened is some of these things have snuck in sneakily and we weren't aware of it. And now you think, what do we do with it? So I'm not advocating tonight that you should not sing any Hillsong or Bethel or Elevation Worship. That's for you to begin to work out. But I know like tons of churches, for example, have been singing Hillsong for a long, long time. How, how do you go back on that? Or should you go back on that? How do we work that out? Let you work that out. But it's the thing about it, so it's through their music that started creeping into things, and especially with our young people. Let's think a little bit about Bethel Church, uh, Bill Johnson and his prophet, uh, Chris Vallotton. So Bill Johnson, senior pastor at Bethel. Here's a picture of him in Bradford at Smith Wigglesworth's gravestone. Have you been to that one? Yeah, twice. twice? Yeah. Well, uh, there he is with a guy who runs a church in, in Harrogate, and uh, who's ver- their church is very much into the New Apostolic Reformation. There's a reason that they visit these gravestones, which I'll tell you about in a moment. Just some of the things that have happened in Bethel over the last few years. So they have things called declarations. You know, there's, uh, we mentioned Mike Bickle. I don't know if I'm going to say this, so I'll say it when it's in my mind. Mike Bickle um, is in charge of something called IHOP, which is not the International House of Pancakes. There, there is an International House of Pancakes, apparently, in America. It's the International House of Prayer. And young people from around the world are flocking to this, and they do 24-7 prayer. And you think, well, what's wrong with that? Well, what's wrong with that is they don't do prayer like we do prayer. A lot of it is this declaration stuff. They're not petitioning God for something and seeking God and saying, God, if it's your will. No, they're declaring things and bringing things into existence with their words. So here's a couple of samples of a declaration that they would say at Bethel. So this is offering of thanks, uh, number one, as we receive today's offering, and then the whole congregation will stand and say this together. They've taken up the offering. It says, we are believing the Lord for jobs and better jobs, raises and bonuses, benefits, sales and commissions, favorable settlements, estates and inheritances, interests and income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail. I'm always praying that one. Gifts and surprises, finding money, I'm always praying that one too, finding money, uh, debts paid off, expenses decrease, blessings and increase. Thank you, Lord, for meeting all my financial needs that I may have more than enough to give to the kingdom of God and promote the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So, so that's a declaration. Here's another example of a declaration. As we receive today's offering, we are believing you for heaven opened, earth invaded, storehouses unlocked and miracles created, dreams and visions, angelic visitations, declarations, visitations and divine manifestations, anointing, gifts, gifting and calls, positions and promotions, provisions and resources, 
to go to the nations. Souls and more souls for, from every generation um, saved and set free, carrying kingdom revelation. And then he goes on about thank you for the blessing and the increase. So what? So prayer for these guys is more about declaring, telling God what they want. Not asking God what he wants, but, but telling God what they want and declaring these things and bringing these things into existence. I remember hearing Creflo Dollar, who wouldn't be a New Apostolic Reformationer, but very much a word of faith guy. He was talking about money once and he said, if you go to your cash card machine and you put your card in and you find that you've got no money in, then you get your card back out. And you say how much you want in your account. You tell your account, I want a thousand pounds in there. And you put your card back in. And if you've declared that in faith, that will be created and you will get a thousand pounds out. I've tried that about ten times. (laughs) It's total rubbish. It's just total rubbish, but people believe it. Anyway, you know when I say I do try these things, I'm only joking. You know that, don't you? (laughs) Um... Yeah, glory clouds, gold teeth, angelic visitations. Uh, so Bethel, they had a glory cloud a few years back. Um, it was like bits of glitter coming down from the ceiling. You can see it on YouTube, uh, just floating down. You know, somebody who was a bit of a cynic would say, you know, somebody put glitter in the air vents. Um, I would never say that. But um, glory clouds, um, apparently gold teeth, uh, diamonds and jewels appearing in Bibles. Um, they're always having angelic visitations. And it's nearly always the angel of prosperity, strangely. But uh, they're always having angelic visitations, and and many of them have claimed to have the Lord Jesus visit them and tell them things. Uh, This is just normal, part and parcel of being part of the New Apostolic Reformation. Um, Prophetic art is an interesting one. Um, My daughter got caught up in this one. She went with her friend to this uh, church day away or something, and there was an option to do prophetic arts, and they thought, we don't even know what that is, so it sounds like something interesting. We'll, we'll, we'll go in, and apparently people sat down in a circle, and they were given like um, a piece of card and some pens and pencil and stuff, and they were told to just wait on the Holy Spirit, and then whatever the Holy Spirit told you to draw, you need to draw. And like Beth is there like, I'm rubbish at art. I just like... And then they said, and afterwards we're going to look at each other and see what God's saying to us. So Beth was really panicking. And um, she, brought the, she brought this thing home. I should have brought it to show you. Um, she just drew like a, a road or something with a car on it. I don't know, something strange. And then they had to turn it around. And when she turned hers around, they're saying, yeah, God's saying you're on a road to somewhere bl- where you're going to be blessed. And they're coming out with all this stuff. And she just made it all up. You know, she no, the Holy Spirit didn't tell her anything. Prophetic art is something they're into. They've gone further than that as well, though. You can now get Dancing Waters prophetic art leggings. Look at that stuff. Only $44.95. Make you right killing me that. Could see some of you guys wearing those. Um, the lady, the lady in, the, in the top corner there is a lady called Teresa Deadman. And uh, she's been caught up in a bit of controversy. I'll mention what that is in, in a little while. But she's very creative. There's one of her books, Cultivating Kingdom Creativity. And it's all about creating and the spirit they need to create things. and Yeah, prophetic art. There you go. Um, Kingdom School of Supernatural Ministry. There are some of these running in the UK. 
they call them the Kingdom School of Supernatural Ministry. In Bethel, it's the Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry. But people pay quite a lot of money to go over there to be trained how to move in signs and wonders. So you're, you're trained how to prophesy, you know, how to hear from the Holy Spirit, how to do supernatural evangelism. There's all kinds of weird and wonderful stuff goes on there. It's a little bit like Hogwarts for Christians, in my humble opinion. But it's, I mean, lots of young people get caught up in this. And they, they go along and they taught how to do all these things. Because for them, that's the normal life. That's what we're missing out on, all this stuff. Part of this, some of the things that they will be taught is this. They will be taught, um, oh sorry, that's a picture for uh, that. They'll be taught uh, about grave soaking and fire tunnels. Now, grave soaking is the idea that they take out their young trainees from the School of Supernatural Ministry and they take them to, uh, to graves of famous revivalists and they're told to lie on the graves, on the gravestone, and they are to soak up the anointing that will remain there from the revivalist. Now, I thought that was dodgy until I heard David speak yesterday. And he said, every time he comes out of Inskip, he goes over to Henry Morehouse's um, gravestone. And he touches it. All right, okay. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Um, now, this, this created quite a lot of controversy and people calling them out on it. And they denied that that's what they do. But then, you know, you find pictures of Bill Johnson's wife, Benny Johnson. She's there laid on the gravestone of C.S. Lewis. And uh, there she is hugging the gravestone of Charles Finney. And so they were doing this. And that's why they're at Smith Wigglesworth's grave in Bradford. They're just going all over the place and lying because they were told that uh, the, the person that's died, the body's there, but the anointing's still there. And you can soak up that anointing. And we call it grave sucking. They didn't like that. And they call it grave soaking. Fire tunnels. I had a little video of this, but I, I haven't got it set up to show you. But So that would have been a video clip. But the idea of fire tunnels is that um, again, often in the church, end of church meetings, uh, a lot of, uh, again, younger adults, but it can be anybody, will create a tunnel across from each other. So like me and Joe would be there like this in a big tunnel. And then people run through, and as they run through, the Holy Spirit hits them. And, um, and they, they sort of start shaking and falling on the floor and all this kind of stuff. It goes on fire tunnels. There are tons more things I could tell you about what goes on, but we don't have time. I'll give you a flavor there of some of the weird and wonderful things that happen. Another thing that comes out of Bethel is um, Jesus culture, which is like their youth uh, worship band. Very, very popular. Very popular um, with lots of Christians, lots of young Christians. And again, you know, some of, uh, some of their lyrics and some of the lyrics of the songs, like in Bethel Music and Hillsong, and stuff, well, they, you know, you might look at the things and say, well, the, lyrically, it's fine. You know, biblically, it, it's fine. But you need to think, well, where's this coming from? You know, where, where is this stuff coming from? Out of what mindset? Of what understanding of the Bible are they creating this music? Can anybody tell me what that means? More of you, less of me is not true. Jesus had less of you before you were born and he didn't like it. Anybody got an interpretation? Anybody? Yeah, it's like, I have no idea what that means. 
they're, they're into sort of just putting little pithy things out like that. And, you know, for us as Christians, who've been Christians a long time, you look at it and you think, I have no idea what this means. But then if you ask that question, what does this mean? Well, you're not spiritual. Uh, you're a religionist. Um, what about this? This was on uh, IHOP. Um, it said, the Lord will not share his glory with another, but you're not another. And somebody's asked a question underneath there. Somebody with a great name called, called Coy Carper. That's a great name. Said, what? Are you suggesting I am the same as the Lord? The Lord will not share his glory with another, but you're not another, says Bill Johnson. There's all kinds of things as well. School of Supernatural Ministry for children. This is a bit disturbing when you look at some of this stuff. It really bugs me that they get kids involved in this. Um, So here we have Patricia King. I'll look up here because I can't quite see that without my glasses. Patricia King said this. God is moving powerfully in and amongst children in this hour. You will see many children raised up to preach, heal, prophesy, moving miracles, signs and wonders. Numbers of young children will be visited by the Lord in areas of divine intelligence. And many will go to the mission field at an early age. And then you see pictures like this with Todd Bentley. You remember Todd Bentley? He was on God TV every night for months and months and months and months. The guy who claimed that the Holy Spirit told him to kick an old lady in the face with his biker boot to heal her. This is the guy that uh, was having an affair during all this um, mission time that was going on. That he left his wife and kids, married the woman that he had an affair with, has a child with her now. He's back in ministry doing all this stuff and being blessed by people like Bill Johnson and Rick Joyner who restored him back into ministry. And here he is with his kids. Won't want him anywhere near my kids. It's just another interesting thing as well with things have started to move and and there's been merging of some of these things as well. So you can see here, this is Hillsong Conference next year. And you have Bill Johnson. Bill Johnson, he's the first time I think they've had Bill Johnson at a Hillsong event. Uh, You've got Joseph Prince as well. I don't know if you know much about him, but he's very word of faith. And then, of course, you've got um, you've got Louis Giglio there as well, and you've got um, Brian and Bobby Houston, the leaders of Hillsong. And what you're finding now is that more and more of these are just coming together and meeting together and seeing that they're all brothers and sisters in Christ. This is what Hillsong Conference says, but uh, I don't want to read it all. I'll just read uh, the bit down the bottom there in yellow. Talking about the conference, it says it inspires leaders and believers alike to make a difference in their sphere of influence for, for king, kingdom's cause. That's, the, that's a buzzword for the NAR, spheres of influence. When he talks about Bill Johnson there and a little uh, bio of him, again, he talks about sphere of influence. So halfway down, he travels extensively throughout the world, encouraging believers to bring the kingdom of heaven into their world and sphere of influence. Bill is the author of a number of best-selling books, including When Heaven Invades Earth and Hosting the Presence. Then you find other gatherings as well, where you have all kinds of people there. Some people are a bit surprising that they might be there as well. So you've got Hillsong guys, um, you've got Jesus Culture, you've got Ravi Zacharias, uh, Francis Chan, Matt Chandler, uh, Banning Leafshire is Bethel as well. 
And you're finding more and more there's a blurring of things. A blurring of things. And people are like, yeah, we, we want to be on this. Whatever this is, we're, we're getting on board with it. And, you know, for some people, like I say, ordinary believers who are just seeking after God and, and really wanting to sort of follow him, you can understand how they get caught up in some of this stuff. But then when you have people you think should know better, yeah, it's a bit confusing. But it gets worse. Look at some of these books. Shifting Atmospheres, Donna de Silva, Bethel. Uh, the Heavenly Realm, Benny Johnson. This was the best-selling book a number of years ago. It still keeps coming out in various formats by Sarah Young, Jesus Calling. This is what Sarah Young said. She said, I knew that God communicated with me through the Bible, but I yearned for more. The Bible's not enough. Increasingly, I wanted to hear what God had to say to me personally on, on a given day. I decided to listen to God with pen in hand, writing down whatever I believe he was saying. And she writes it in a book called Jesus Calling, and everybody's into that. And because uh, the Bible's not enough. You know, if you want to hear what God wants to say to you today, open your Bible. What about this book, The Physics of Heaven? Many of them are uh, people contributed to this, but look at some of these titles. Vibrating in Harmony with God. Recovering Our Lost Inheritance. Good Vibrations. Sounds like a Beach Boy song. Um, Sound of Heaven. The God Vibration. Angelic Encounters. Spiritual Synthesis. <laughs> Strange things are afoot. You bet they are. Quantum mysticism. Keys to taking your quantum leap and a whole lot of shaking going on. Oh my goodness. Does that sound like a Christian book to you? You'd find that in a New Age bookshop, wouldn't you? Surely. You'd expect that to be there, not in Bethel bookstore. It's all New Age stuff. I'm getting towards the end because I've shared a lot of stuff with you, but I wanted to mention this. I mentioned a lady, Teresa Deadman earlier, the prophetic art leggings lady. And she got caught up in a bit of controversy because she was promoting something called destiny cards. Destiny cards. Now, there's a group in Australia called Christ Alignment. They claim to be Christians. They would go to New Age fairs and they would use these destiny cards. And here you see them at this New Age fair using some of those destiny cards. And Teresa Denman, of course, was saying, well, they're, just, they're, they're not tarot cards. But everybody's saying, they're tarot cards. And this is what Christ Alignment says. Oh, there's the guys that run it. They don't look too uh, New age do they? Um, this is what it says on Christ Alignment's website. It says, team members can be booked individually for deep consultations, healing, spiritual readings, and spirit cleansing. And so what was happening is, they're going to New Age fairs, fair play to them. They want to go there and share the gospel with these people. They need the gospel. But what they're doing is they're going in and doing their own version of, of, of New Age stuff. And they're not really sharing the gospel with them. Again, video clips on their website, on YouTube, you can see. Um, afterwards, they'll talk to people who've had a reading, not a, a, a palm reading, of course, a psalm reading. And... Afterwards, they will, they will talk about, well, you know, I've never felt so loved in my life. Oh, everything she said was spot on. Nothing about sin, repentance, the Lord Jesus Christ. Nothing there. Here's a couple of these destiny cards. Crucifixion, resurrection, psalm cards. Psalm readings are similar to tarot 
in that the cards are counted out according to your birth date, uh, date and year. Only three cards are used, and these will represent your past, present, and future. Oh, my goodness. And uh, Teresa Denman was promoting these. She's from Bethel, and uh, she got a lot of hassle. And like they tend to do in Bethel, if they get called out on some of these things, they backtrack. And they'll say, oh, no, they're not. They're not tarot cards, just destiny cards, and we don't use them personally. Just like Benny Johnson, now that grave-soaking thing's rubbish. And then there's pictures of her grave-soaking I want, to, I want to end with this, this bit because this is really, really important. Has any of you come across the Passion Translation of the Bible? If you go on a Bible Gateway, um, it's on there now. And uh, it's not a full Bible. It's New Testament and the selected um, Psalms, I think, and, and maybe some Proverbs on there now. But the guy that um, so-called translated this is a guy called Brian Simmons. And this is what Patricia King said about... This translation, she said, the Passion Translation, skillfully penned by Dr. Brian Simmons, contains deep treasures that can only be discovered through intense scholarly research and saturated in divine revelation. Sounds like we need to get a copy of this. Bill Johnson said, one of the greatest things to happen with Bible translation in my lifetime. This is what Brian Simmons said about his translation. He said, The meaning of a passage took priority over the form of the original words. Sometimes in order to communicate the correct intended meaning, words needed to be changed. The Passion Translation is more in favour of prioritising God's original message over the word's literal meaning. So we're going to ignore what it actually says. We're just going to, I'm just going to tell you what what God really intended by that. I'm going to translate it, translate it in that way. Now, let me see if I've got this on here. No, I haven't. So Brian Simmons is an interesting guy because he claimed he'd had training in, in biblical languages. And he claimed that he'd done it with New Tribes Mission. And um, he said that, uh, I think back in the 70s, he was, in a, he was in, a, in a country where they translate the Bible and he was heavily involved in translating that Bible. New Tribes Mission brought a statement out and said, no, he wasn't. It was very much in the background. He didn't translate anything. But he was claiming that was his biblical training. And so he lied about that. What he also claimed is that Jesus personally visited him to tell him to do this new translation. Now, this is becoming the most favoured version used in the New Apostolic Reformation. And I just want to give you a little flavour of it tonight. So here's what Galatians 2 19 um, might say, uh, well, it does say, rather, Galatians 2.19, it says, that I might live for God. But this has been translated in the Passion as, so that I can live for God in heaven's freedom. Just think about some of these things. This is what it says in most Bibles, uh, Philippians 1.1, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. In the Passion, my name is Paul, and I'm joined by my spiritual son, Timothy, both of us passionate servants of Jesus, the Anointed One. Now, what you might not be picking up already, which will become more apparent as I show you a few more, is that this Bible is loaded with New Apostolic Reformation buzzwords. Buzzwords that mean something to them, but it won't necessarily mean much to us. Philippians 1-2, grace and peace to you, is translated, we decree over your lives... The blessings of divine grace and supernatural peace. 
So he's not happy with just, you know, what the Greek says. You know, he just translated literally, grace and peace to you. No, this is what God actually meant. He actually meant to say, we decree over your lives the blessing of divine grace and supernatural peace. What about this? Galatians 6.6. 6. In standard English translations there, I'll just read the top one, which is the NIV, but there's the New King James and the ESV there as well. He says, nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. This is how the Passion translates it. And those who are taught the word will receive an impartation from their teacher. A transference of anointing takes place between them. That's loaded with New Apostolic buzzwords. Transference of anointing and impartation. Just summing up, I've shared a lot of that stuff with you. Some of it you might be familiar with, not familiar with. And um, what I would encourage you to do is to, to listen out for this stuff and to, to look out for some of this stuff and uh, maybe read up on it and get some information about it. Happily send you that PowerPoint um, in note form. If you want to take one of my leaflets and email me, I'll send that to you. But in summing up, um, I think you know the Bible is very clear that we need to test the spirits to see if, if they're of God. Uh, we need to be like the Bereans, testing everything against Scripture. Uh, we need to contend for the faith that was once and for all delivered to the saints. Because this is something different. And to test all things and hold fast to that which is good. It's right in our midst. It's in our churches. It's in our bookshops. You go to your Christian bookshop, it'll be full of this stuff. It'll be full of it, unless it's ten of those, of course. Um, so that's why you need to buy from 10 of those and nowhere else in the world. Okay. Um, a suggestion though, um, if you want to read more about this, this is a, it's a great book. It's the New Apostolic Reformation, a biblical response to a worldwide movement, uh, by Douglas Giver and Holly Pivak. Holly Pivak has got a website as well dedicated to this. It's called Spirit of Error. I think spiritoferor.org or .com, but Spirit of Error. Holly Pivak's done a lot of research into this stuff. She's, uh, she's, Good to listen to. I'm just about out of time. Has anybody got a question or anything? So long as it's not very long.